0: If you uh, haven't done so already, I'd love for you guys to take out what we're calling our connection card. It's, it was in your bulletin. Um, we're going to get in the habit of everybody filling these out, so uh, we'll try to get pens and pencils in the backs of the seats uh, when, when uh, yeah, good, yeah, and all of them. I, I didn't check to make sure that they were all uh, refilled, but uh, we will, at the end of the service, we'll fill those out together. Uh, but I just want everyone to get in the habit of filling one out, whether you've been here for 40 years or, or not. We'd love to, uh, to see everyone's uh, names. Also, uh, it's a great way for us, if you uh, if you haven't updated your phone number or uh, your address or things like that, it's a great way for us to stay in contact. Uh, I've been trying to call everyone that I have the list, and, and it's amazing how many phone numbers I call that says, oh, hey, I... I don't know who you are, but that's not my name. I don't know who you were trying to reach, but that's not me. And so it'd be great for us to have that updated uh, info. Uh, just so you guys have an opportunity to flip there, we are going to be in John chapter 11 today. I know it's like, man, does this guy preach out of John every week? And it's like, almost, almost. Uh, so John chapter 11, again, John is before the book of Acts and after the book the Gospel of Luke. And again, if you don't have Bibles, we have several Underneath the chairs, there's also apps. You can also just Google it, type in John chapter 11, and you can find it that way. Um, one of the things that's interesting, and we'll get into this, do you know why Jesus called Lazarus by his name when he raised, why, when he raised him from the dead? Well, he knew his name, of course, but like, in my opinion, if, if Jesus had just said, come forth, and everyone would have, every grave would have been empty. So he had to call Lazarus by his name, or else the town would have been full of zombies, and that would have been terrifying. I think that's, maybe that's how the zombie apocalypse starts. I don't know. I'm not sure. We are prepared. Uh, So I'm going to mix things up this week, and we're going to talk about Jesus. I know it's a new thing for us to talk about. Uh, There's, my my kids and I, we have this routine when when I put them to bed, and I love it, and I'm always trying to, like, add more to it, and they try to Take more away. Uh, but we, we, we pray together. We pray. We sing songs. I pray a blessing over them. Uh, the Lord bless you. Lord keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Pray over that every night. Um, I tell them how much I love them, how proud of them I am. Uh, and usually I, I, I kiss them on their heads and then I leave. But recently, after we've, we've done all of those things that we've been doing, my daughter's been asking, Hey, daddy, can you tell me about Jesus? Can you, tell, can you just tell me some stories about Jesus? And it's one of those things that as, as a parent, you're like, yeah, I, I probably should have been doing that before. <laughs> like, I didn't need my three-year-old telling me to do that. But it's, and it's like, it's one of those things where I just was, the first time she asked, it brought me to tears. Because I was like, I, I would love to. I'd love to tell you about Jesus. Uh, granted, she has about a 10-second attention span. She's like a goldfish, but still. So to try to condense an entire story that Jesus did in about 10, 15 seconds, is, it's, it's kind of tough. Uh, you know, the stories that kids pay attention to are like Jonah and the big fish, right? A uh, guy being swallowed by a big fish. They're like, oh my goodness, what was that like? And you can tell them that story. That keeps their attention, but trying to tell Jesus that, or trying to tell kids that Jesus took some bread and some fish, two foods that they're not really interested in, and broke them into pieces and fed 5,000. Okay, dad, that's enough, you know. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really cool to be able to do that. But I, I, I wanna be able to share with you the same types of stories that I share with my kids. And so that's what we're looking at in John chapter 11. We're gonna read a lot of this chapter today. Um, and it's because this story, it's, it's a long one. John takes a lot of time writing it. And I believe it's because it is deeply profound. The disciples spent at this point in time in John chapter 11, the disciples have spent between two and three years every day with Jesus, and it's, it's kind of one of those things that I'm really jealous that they, they got to do that, uh, but whenever they speak, it seems like they have no idea what they're talking about, right? Right? Like, it's, it's easy for us to look at the disciples and be like, man, you guys are, are really silly. What are you guys talking about? But we have to give them credit because they didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, I have to go away so that my helper can come. So we all have the Holy Spirit to help guide us and lead us, but they didn't have that. But they did spend every day with him. Um, I will say, despite the fact that they didn't understand what was going on, they believed in Jesus enough to risk their lives as we look at this story um, but again, I, I want the first thing for us to really pay attention to when we read this passage, we're going to read, I'm going to, it's going to be long. I know it's going to be long. The first thing I want you to pay attention to is that, uh, the disciples are like lost puppies, right? So if you've been following Jesus for a long time and you feel like you don't know what's going on, it's okay because the very people that, uh, had a, at least a part in writing all of our new Testament, they didn't really know what was going on either. Uh, the second thing I want you to pay attention to as we read this passage is the relationship between Mary, Martha, and Jesus. Well, really, and Lazarus and Jesus, so although we don't get to see a whole lot of interactions, but that's it's really important. So pay attention to how Mary and Martha speak to Jesus and how he replies to them. The third thing I want us to focus on is how Jesus reacts and responds to the circumstances around him, right? So those three things, right? We have uh, how, how silly the disciples are, how they don't really know what's going on, and yet they are brave anyways. The relationship between Mary, Martha, Jesus, and the third thing being how does Jesus respond to the circumstances, the things that are going on around him. So again, it's a long, we're going to start uh, in verse 1, so John chapter 11, and we're going to read a lot. So you guys ready? Paying attention to those three things. You don't have to soak in everything, just those Three things. All right, let's start. So now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, again, gross, whose brother was, her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, The illness does not lead to death. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in this day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he, is, uh, he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if, if he has fallen asleep, you know, he, he'll recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but... They thought that he meant he was just taking rest in his sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days, And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, He, the teacher, is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still uh, in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he open the eyes of the blind and also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. All right, let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful for your word and, and what it teaches us. God, uh, may our ears be open to hear and our eyes be open to see. So, God, uh, we just ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So again, as we read this story, I know it was a long time back in the story by the time now, but uh, the disciples, and my heart, my heart really <laughs> cries, cries out for them. I, and I love how Jesus interacts with the disciples. They're like his children, right? When we tell our kids, uh, one of the things we've realized about our three-year-old daughter is that um, she doesn't listen to what we're saying because she's already thinking about some crazy thing that she's going to tell us. Like we have no, like it doesn't, like it never matches what's going on around them. And and sometimes the disciples kind of seem like that, where they're not really paying attention to what Jesus is saying because they're so focused on what they're trying uh, to say. And it's it's interesting to me that I'm glad that I'm not the only one that has the foot and mouth disease, (laughs) like these disciples. Sometimes, you know, I say things before I speak, right? I don't have an on-deck circle. It's just, batter up, you know? It's just... (laughs) Let's go, and, and that gets me in trouble, and it gets them in trouble, and I love that, that Jesus has to be very blunt with the disciples. He said, okay, I know I said that Lazarus was asleep, but he's dead. I, I say he's dead, okay? Like, you guys didn't pick that up, uh, but I'm trying to tell you that he's dead, and then, of course, he tells the disciples, hey, we're going to go back to Bethany, which is by Jerusalem, and they're like, that's where all the, the people that were just trying to kill you, that's where they are, and you want to go back there? And Jesus is like, yeah, we're going. And I love that, that Thomas, he, later we call him the, the doubter, right? He's Thomas the twin, that's what uh, he's known as here, but he's doubting Thomas because he wasn't there when Jesus uh, rose from the dead and, and appeared to the disciples, and so he's like, well, I don't know, unless I touch the holes and, and see him, I don't know if I'll believe him, so, but now he's called the twin, but he has so much faith to say, well, if he's going to die, let's go die with him. It's beautiful. They're not smart, but they are loyal. I think that's what my wife looked for in her husband. Not, <laughs> But it's something that's really important for us to know about the disciples because it's something that's imperative for us to understand and believe that, that Jesus doesn't use the people with the highest intellect, with the most amount of talents. He uses the people who are faithful. The disciples changed the world through Jesus, so the acts of Jesus. These, these 12 disciples, really 11, well, let's not talk about Bruno. Let's not talk about the 12th one, for those of my Disney fans. Uh, but the 11, they, they really, they changed the world. They changed the world. And, I, and one of the things that I think is interesting, I was reading a commentary. It's, they were saying that this is similar to when, when God called Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac he had so much faith that he believed that even if Isaac had passed away, that God had promised that this would be the lineage, and so God would raise Isaac back from the dead. And so the disciples, in the same way, they believed that even if they were to be killed, that Jesus would raise them back from the dead. So they're like, let us go die with him," because they had so much faith to believe that Jesus would lead them, uh, bring them back from death as well. So, but I, I, again, I want you to understand and to, to really truly believe that no matter what you, know, what you got going on up here, no matter what your body is able or not able to do, God loves you and is calling you to something so much greater than you could have ever believed or experienced. And this is not because of who you are, it's because of how great he is. And the beauty of the gospel is that we get to step outside of ourselves and just show people the glory of God and not through our talents, but just, for, just through, through him. So, stay close to Jesus and show off his glory. That's what the disciples teach us. It's not about their wisdom or their abilities. It's just about staying close to Jesus no matter what. So, John pointedly tells us that uh, John is the author of this gospel, that, that Jesus loved Martha. Now, how does, for those of my Bible scholars, how does John refer to himself in the gospels? Yeah, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So this is a a title now like he's giving to to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're they're people that he loved. And I grew up, I don't know if any other men can attest to this, but I grew up believing that emotions were for weak people. Right, Love, those types of attachments, empathy, compassion, those were for people who just weren't going to make it far in the world. The only emotions that were acceptable to, to act out upon and to have were anger people that lead by force, through strength, those are the people that have it going on. Those are the people to follow. So when John takes the time to point out the fact that Jesus loved these people, it makes me pause and think about whether or not I truly am allowing myself to love other people. And if I'm trying to be like Jesus, then... I'm not going to lead with an iron fist, but lead with love. Martha implores, uh, she, she begs Jesus to come and heal Lazarus before he dies. But Jesus encourages her that his sickness does not lead to death. And then Lazarus dies. Has anyone ever had that? that moment where you're, you're praying for someone or something to happen and you're just so sure that it's gonna happen. You know, you feel like this, Jesus literally said this to her, but sometimes we feel like, no, God told me that this is gonna happen and then it doesn't happen. You're praying and you're hoping and feeling that this person that you love will not die and then they die. He's like, God, did I thought, I thought they were gonna live. And when Jesus is speaking to Mary and Martha, he tells them pointedly, his sickness does not lead to his death. And then he dies. So for me, if I was Mary or Martha, this would have been the point where I stopped believing. This guy said his sickness doesn't lead to death, and and then he died. How is this possible? But their faith did not end with Lazarus' life. And I think the thing is that that's really odd here is that Jesus knew the plan. He waited two days. Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, needs to go to be with him, and then he waits two days. And how many days had Lazarus been dead? Four days. So if Jesus had immediately gotten up and left, Lazarus would have already been dead, right? Because he waited two days, and then he left, and then Lazarus had been four days by the time he gets there. So which one's bigger, four or two? So (laughs) It would not have mattered if Jesus had left right away. There There are things in my life sometimes that when I hear about them, I'm like, I have to act now. I have to go now. I have to do it now. But Jesus trusted his relationship with the Father so much that, that when he's communicating with him and the Father was telling him to, to stay and to wait, even though he wanted to go and make things right right away, he was willing to wait to prove uh, just how great and glorious God is. And it was, it was important for Jesus to wait those two extra days because if, if a guy is dead for like two days and he comes back to life, we can say, well, maybe he wasn't all the way dead. Right? Anyone seen The Princess Bride? It's like, well, mostly dead. So, but when a guy is dead for four days, they don't, they don't come back to life. That's not what happens. So it was important for Jesus to wait. It didn't matter if he had left right away. Lazarus would have still been dead. It was important for him to wait those two extra days to show the glory of God. And in and, and the King James, I, I love reading it sometimes, and they use this word stinketh. It's a biblical word. He stinketh. He's been dead for four days. He stinks. He stinketh. So, Mary, uh, she, this is like the wisdom of, of, of women and, and Martha in this point. When Jesus goes, Hey, let's roll the stone away, she's like, He stinks. He's just dead. I don't, <laughs> like. I don't want to roll the stone away, right? I don't want to do that. Same reason, you know, my wife, whenever I come home, she's like, hey, take your shoes off because they stinketh, right? She, <laughs> they have this wisdom. And uh, Jesus wasn't really interested in that. Uh, but what amazes me here in, in this interaction that Jesus has with Mary and Martha is that they pointedly believe that Jesus will raise them from the dead, uh, that she says, in the last day. Right? Jesus is like, you know, hey, your brother's, you know, he's not all, he's not going to stay dead. And she goes, I know. I know that Jesus isn't, or that Lazarus isn't going to stay dead. He's gotta, you're going to bring him back to life on the last day. She has so much faith. Even after Lazarus has died and Jesus said that his sickness wasn't going to lead to his death, she still has so much faith to believe in who Jesus is. And they love Jesus so much. They believe in him so much. And this is important for us to, to know and to remember. They know Jesus, they love Jesus, and they believe in Jesus. Those three things are really what, what we're called to in our relationship with Jesus. So do you know, do you know who Jesus is? And, I'm, and it's my pleasure to be able to share these stories with you so you know who Jesus is. And we're going to talk really about the heart of Jesus here in a second. But I want you to know Jesus like Mary and Martha knew Jesus. So that even when bad things happen in your life, you still trust Jesus and believe in Jesus. Not only did they know and believe, but they also followed. And I have to ask us again, do we follow Jesus? They know him as a friend, they love him as family, and they believe that what he says he will do, he will do, and that who he says he is, he is. And that's the faith that I want us to have. Mary and Martha, we would have never known their names by the great things that they did, but they had great Faith, they had great love for Jesus. And I want you guys, and I want myself included, to have that relationship with Jesus. Sometimes there, there are things in your life that you, you can't even imagine how Jesus is, is going to have a miracle to get you out of it. And I think that's where Mary and Martha are. Hey, I know that in the last day you're going to raise Lazarus from the dead, you're going to raise us all from the dead. But they, they could not even imagine that Jesus would be able to raise him from the dead in that moment. And there are things in your life that you can't see past. All, all you see is the wall and the struggle. Some, things that, some, some uh, bad uh, moments in your life that, that have created these barriers in your wall. And you have no idea how Jesus is going to take them down. So you're not even praying about it. Because you're like, I don't even know how it's possible for you to get me from point A to point B. And that's where Mary and Martha are as well. They are not even praying for Jesus to bring him back from the dead in that moment. He's already dead. They wanted him to save him before he died because they had seen him do that, but they had never seen him raise someone from the dead. And there are things in your life that Jesus will do that you never thought possible, that you never thought possible so much so that you don't even pray about it. But that's how amazing Jesus is. I cannot, if I look back at my life 10 years ago and my life today, there's no way I could have imagined the things that Jesus would bring into my life. There's no way I could have imagined. And that's where Mary and Martha are right now. They cannot even imagine what Jesus is about to do. And there are days in your life when life is more than you can handle. And there are thoughts that go on in your head that, You know, my body, I can't do the things I used to do and and I can't overcome some of the, the, the issues that I have in my life. And I'm encouraging you to just draw nearer to Jesus and that you're not the only one. You're not the only one dealing with those things. Our hope is in Christ and who he is now and who he will be. And that's where Mary and Martha were as well. Sometimes all you can do is look to the future. When things are hard today, you can remind yourself, well, in eternity, it's going to be perfect. When things are hard today, sometimes all we can do is look to the future. Jesus' love for the sisters and Lazarus was deeply profound. If you haven't been paying attention to any part of this message, I want you to dial in now. So if you're listening online or if you've kind of been sleeping, you know, it's okay. If someone's sleeping next to you, just give them a nudge. Because this is the part, this is the part that I want us to really pay attention to. And I, and I want you know, it's okay to sleep in church. I'm narcoleptic. If you don't know what that means, it means basically anytime I sit down, I fall asleep. So it's okay. That's why I have to stand and preach, you know. It's okay to fall asleep. It's the safest place to sleep, but uh, try not to snore. So if you've got to bring, you know, your breathing strips or whatever, that's okay. That's okay. Safest place to sleep is here. Uh... John eleven thirty five. those of you who, were, uh, who grew up kind of in uh, the, the kids' church, uh, it's the, if you're, my parents would, uh, my grandma would, would give us uh, things, uh, usually it was candy, obviously, for memorizing Bible verses. And so this is a Bible verse that's, that's easy for everyone to memorize because it's the shortest verse in the whole Bible. John eleven thirty five, right, which is two words. We can all remember that, Jesus wept. There is more depth in those two words, in this one verse, than almost any other verse in the entire Bible, in my opinion. There's more depth in those two words than all of the other words. And why why do I say that? Um, Every time I read the story, every time I think about it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And here's why. Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Right? He told his disciples he was going to do it. He had to be very point blank with them. Hey, he's not sleeping. He's dead. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he told Mary and Martha that Lazarus was at least not going to stay dead. He knew he was going to fix everything for this family. He knew he was going to come in and save the day and raise Lazarus from the dead. And if it's me, I struggle with having a hero complex sometimes. I would have made a, a beeline straight to Lazarus' tomb. I wouldn't have talked to anybody. I just would have gone and done it. I wouldn't have told my disciples what I was going to do. I just would have gone and I would have fixed it and I would have told everyone, stop crying, he's alive. But that's not what Jesus did. Because the, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't about raising Lazarus from the dead. And I know that, that it seems like that's the miracle here. The miracle in the story is not Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. The miracle is how much he loved Mary and Martha. Again, these were not great people who were out you know, bringing hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord. They weren't baptizing people. They were just faithful, faithful women who loved Jesus deeply. And when Jesus shows up, knowing he's going to fix the problem, he doesn't rebuke the women. Hey, stop crying. I'm going to fix it, right? Which I think is the most common sentence I say to my wife, right? Stop crying. I'm going to fix it, right? Right? At least we say that to our kids. Hey, can you stop crying? We have the snacks for you. We got it, okay? I'm a fixer. I want to kick down walls. I want to break away the troubles. I want to provide the magic cure. I want to provide the quick fix, and then I want to ride off into the sunset like the hero that I am, right? I think that I am. But I'm telling you that I I know in my heart of hearts that what Catherine, my wife, and and what my kids really need is, is for me to listen, And to be present, emotionally and physically. He was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He was about to fix all their problems. And yet, he was deeply moved in his spirit. And he openly wept. And the first time that I read that as an adult, it brought me to tears. Because I realized I have never allowed myself to do that. I've never allowed myself to be so emotionally connected to another person that even if I knew I was going to fix their problems, I would stand with them and weep. And maybe, maybe this is something that is just deeply profound for me, and you're, this makes perfect sense to you. But for me, this it changed my life. changed my life. Jesus, for the first time, really, he's seeing the impact that death had on people whom he deeply loved as a person, right? He saw it from heaven, but now he's here on earth and he's, he's seeing it and it brought him to, to tears. He didn't tell him to suck it up, to deal with it. He didn't tell him that everything's gonna be okay. He just wept. And that doesn't even weigh into account the fact that he's out in public weeping openly two miles away from the city where all the people want to kill him. He's not trying to get himself to safety. He's not trying to fix the problem. He's just weeping with people who are sad. When we sing the song, you know, Jesus Loves Me, which I love that that my son, he has no idea what the words are, but he sings it. But he he sings a song, we sing this song together as a family, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We sing about a God who loves us enough to die for us. But I want you to also know that we're singing to a God who loves us enough to weep when our life is hard. Jesus isn't just a God who loves you enough to die for you. He's a God who loves you enough to weep with you when you're sad even though he knows that in the future there's going to be no more sorrow, no more death, no more tears. That's the God that we love and worship. He's not just a God who fix it. He's a God who knows you and loves you. Amen? Amen. He loves you far beyond what you could think or imagine. Jesus here, is, we're told in the Bible, he's the image of the invisible God. So his actions show us the Father. And in spite of the fact that John eleven thirty five 35 is the shortest verse in the Bible, I pray that it has an enormous impact on how you feel uh, about God and and understand Him. When your family is falling apart and you feel so isolated and alone that all you can do is crumble and weep, God is weeping with you. When you fall back into depression and you just hate yourself for doing it and you can't break free from this grasp that depression has on your heart, God is not judging you. He is weeping with you. When you lose someone to death or someone that metaphorically dies in your life and you have to separate yourselves from them and it breaks your heart, God is weeping with you. We know Jesus is perfect and he wept openly, which gives us the freedom to respond that way as well. We don't have to hide our emotions. There are times when we have to hide our emotions But there are also times when we need to be free to express them, even if that means weeping openly. This is the real Jesus, a God who feels what you feel and doesn't shy away from showing his emotions. And of course, the end of the story is Jesus calling Lazarus by name to come out of the grave. And then Lazarus wakes up and he he walks out from his four-day nap and everyone rejoices and glorifies God. Right, and he's, he's calling your name in the same way. He's calling you to, to come out of that grave of that sin has, has led you to in your life. The same miracle that he performed for Lazarus, he will do for you. So if you haven't made that decision yet to profess Christ as, as savior, to be baptized into his kingdom, to be buried with him and raised to walk in the newness of life, this story again encourages us to have that response to Jesus. Profess your faith in him, be baptized. Uh, Also, if if you want to wait because you want family members to be here and you want people to see it, just know that that's totally cool, totally okay. We would love to do that. One of the things I'd really love is for us to have a weekend where that's what we do. We just have like 15 baptisms, and I think that that would be really cool. Amen? Would that be cool? Amen, amen. amen. So the end of the story is Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. But he only spends four or five verses on that miracle. And he spends the previous 40, really, talking about the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples and with Mary and Martha. I need you to know, I need you to understand and believe that following Jesus is not about following a list of rules. That following Jesus isn't about being perfect. It's about drawing nearer to Jesus. And yes, we have, we have the Bible, and it helps us to, to, to guide us and to shape our path. But Mary and Martha, they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have it all figured out. They just knew that the closer that they got with Jesus, the better their life was going to be, even if they died. And that's the truth that I want us to all know and believe. Jesus is a God that is worth loving, that is worth following, whatever it takes. So I'm going to pray for us. And again, what I want you to take away from this week is that even if you feel like one of the disciples, you don't have it all figured out. It's not about being awesome. It's just about being more like Jesus. And if all you can do is is pray that Jesus will be near you, even if he can't fix your problems that you feel like you have right now, just draw near to Jesus because Jesus is more amazing than you could have ever imagined. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today as, as people who are just in awe of who you are. God, I would have done things so differently if I, was, if I was you in this story. So thank you for correcting me through your actions and words. Thank you for loving me enough to allow me to see my faults through your greatness. So God, help us all just to be more like you. And God, all God's people said in response. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.